Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. and welcome to the Proactive Caregiving Podcast. As a CPA with over 20 years as an industry accountant, Jessica stepped away from the corporate world to become a full-time caregiver for her mother. Having learned invaluable lessons along the way, she is now here to share those with you and to invite you to join her on this caregiver's journey. Here is your host, Jessica Cannon. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I am the proactive caregiver and I specialize in educating others on how to be proactive by empowering you, the caregiver. If you cannot take care of yourself, then you cannot take care of your loved ones. And along those lines, you know, I've been seeing more early morning walkers and runners as the seasons are changing yet again. As I begin to prep flower beds, I'm reminded about what I've gleaned from gardening and maintaining indoor plants with these seasons. Finding that optimum soil content, light levels and temperature, or protection from environment kind of is similar to caregiving to me. The indoor plants are a bit more temperamental, but having indoor plants not only contributes to my overall mood, but it helped with the added oxygen in the room too. Now I know what you're thinking, we're talking plants? Well, (laughs) that's a topic all in itself. But if you can imagine that caregivers and our loved ones are a variety of indoor plants, then you might realize we need special consideration to thrive. And this consideration I'm referring to is that of our health from the perspective of our hearts, our guts, and our brains. When we're in the midst of the day plugging away at our to-do list or caring for our loved ones, The thought of our brain-gut connection is not exactly driving our day. We are in somewhat of a survival mode without even considering the best way to survive. And if we realize the stress that comes with caregiving, we can take this one step further because we may not even consider a life beyond surviving towards healthy living. Might just be trying to get through another day. I know I had to retrain myself in what healthy living looked and felt like. So today's guest is Yoon Williams, who resides in the UK, and he's also the founder of Vitalize Health and Fitness, where he has become a mood and body coach. Yoon is a coffee lover and a health nut, but he still understands a on a personal level, what it feels like to struggle with low energy. You know, this kind of struggle affects our mindset, our behaviors, and overall our happiness. Because it's in connection with the flow of movement, sleep, and of course, our choice of nutrition. Beyond his own journey of self-care, Ewan obtained a degree in sport and exercise science while becoming a qualified level three physical trainer 
and a Precision Nutritionist. The Precision Nutrition Certification. This is the world's most respected nutrition education program. But with this training, Ewan is able to help people not only become more physically fit, but also understand the physical and mental effects on their bodies. He goes through this by incorporating mindfulness approaches, meditation, and other aspects of physical, mental, and spiritual health to reach the root causes of poor health. He helps people like you and me go beyond an exercise regimen and begin a journey of self-discovery and healing. Because after all, we are our own best advocate when we can tune into our body's needs. So without further ado, hello, Ewan. Thanks for coming on with me today. Hey, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Um, really appreciate the, you know, the intro and the, the kind words and, you know, a lot of, a lot of insight into how the whole body is connected to everything and everything's connected to um, everything works together Absolutely. to create to create optimal health basically yes um, yeah and I, I love what you're doing you know um, kind of helping those caregivers to take care of themselves too because yeah. I think that's something that I guess taking care of someone you kind of quite often neglect yourself in the process absolutely so I, yeah I love I love what you're doing in helping those caregivers do well, that thank you it's kind of a, a trial and error and it's a lot of what I've experienced has definitely been um, beneficial but at the same time learning how to navigate this caregiving journey because you know I go from watching and observing my mother on how her day is, how long she's been sitting, her aches and pains that she goes through and just trying to hear what's going on with her and then trying to fix things that I can't actually fix. Um, it always takes that willing participant too. But seeing what pain points she's going through and then I realize, okay, that's something I need to avoid. Um, it helps me cue into things right away of, okay, this is not exactly the best way. This is a better way. Maybe tomorrow I'll start doing this instead. But it's a cycle where I had to realize the physical body and the mental body and the spiritual body, all of it is connected and it's not one or the other. Yeah, definitely. I think if one, if one's out of balance, then sooner or later, another one will start to become mm -hmm. kind of out of balance too, if that exactly. makes sense. Oh, it absolutely does. Mm. Once my physical started to kind of get out of balance, then it was not long before the mental part of this started to follow. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of like we, like you spoke about the gut-mind connection in the intro and how, you know, we often don't really know or make the connection between how our guts can affect our mood and our mind and our mental health I think a lot of that could potentially be down to the modern western way of medicine mm -hmm. you know we kind of look at everything being different parts 
and you know you have these different specialized specializations in um medicine where you know we kind of think that the brain if there's something going on with the brain it's just the brain um whereas in reality it could be the gut or somewhere else in the body that's you know creating this downstream effect of imbalance somewhere mm-hmm. else mm. definitely you know and that's something that i again i didn't realize uh, many years ago i started having problems with uh, gut issues stomach i don't even know how to put it all in one kind of ball of what makes sense but day by day i just kept thinking it was you know stress from the day of work trying to meet demands and deadlines and then trying to find time with family all this stress just kept piling up and eventually i started thinking well maybe i'm just having allergic reactions to food and starting to really limit what i ate or how much i ate and it ended up being that these issues kept growing and getting worse until one day I thought I was going to, I was in the middle of having a heart attack. And it ended up being that it was my gallbladder. My body was signaling me that my gallbladder was done. It needed to come out. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until that happened that I really started to focus on what I was putting into my body in terms of nutrition. Yeah, because I think, like, what kind of our gut and the inside of our body is kind of still, if you think about it, the outside, if that makes sense. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're putting stuff from from the out, outside, the food and things like that, into our into our body. And it's coming down, you know, into the gut through through the stomach into the intestines but they're kind of you know they are in your body obviously but you know there's there's that barrier between the gut lining and then the rest of the body if that makes sense your bloodstream which can then bring nutrients and everything towards different parts of the body and i think that you know when we when we're eating foods that are less than optimal or we're highly stressed and things like that mm-hmm. this this gut lining can can become sort of leaky and inflamed and things like that which can then if you know that inflammation gets gets in into the body through that gut lining mm-hmm. then that can create inflammation anywhere else throughout the body you know for example that can cause low mood um mental health issues like depression mm-hmm. and anxiety a lot of the the research lately shows that it's actually in a lot of a lot of the reasoning behind depression is inflammation on the brain and so that's why it can be really affected by the gut and other parts of the body can be affected by gut issues and the gut can be really affected by stress and other environmental kind of toxins, you know, like the air quality mm-hmm. and things like that. So, yeah, that's, yeah, everything kind of affects everything. That's why it's sometimes quite difficult to pinpoint the exact cause, I suppose. But then that's where I think kind of the modern way of looking at things um, health-wise is 
going to really, you know, look at that testing, some physiological kind of markers and things like that to pinpoint a root cause. But then also bring in more of that kind of bring that Western kind of testing with, you know, the Eastern kind of mindful practices and Eastern medicine to help, you know, like integrate them together and really figure out the root cause. Because sometimes that can be like stress, childhood trauma, things like that, which can then create that imbalance. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of the way forward is that kind of testing and figuring out the root cause and how some some body part can be affected by something going on somewhere else. I'm glad you said it that way because it it's definitely before uh, thinking Western and Eastern, you know, they're two totally different approaches and we keep them separate, but there's so much benefit to combining them and bringing this together in our day-to-day lives. I know I've started to have a major difference once I started to um, look towards the Eastern development. I thought, you know, if I have the Western side of it where it's more physical fitness and appearance driven, as opposed to the Eastern side of it that is actually more focused on the mind and how it affects the body. If we could just bring the two of them together, we would get so much more benefit out of this. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, I, I, I think a lot of the reason why, I don't want to get really political, but a lot of the reason why, you know, the Western has stayed the Western is because, you know, it makes money. Yeah. Um, exactly. But I think, you know, if we can be more aware of health and I sometimes, I sometimes put a hashtag on my Instagram um, that make, make health sexy, which <laughs> <laughs> yes. is quite fitting. Um, instead of, you know, getting ripped abs to put yourself on front of a magazine to make money, you know, value health more than making money. And then, you know, we'll all be healthier, Mm -hmm. happier, better to each other, more able caregivers. And I think, I think that, you know, that's, that would help bring, bring humanity forward. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, it's, So I'll go ahead and put it out there. The Western society is definitely more capitalistic. (laughs) And if you take that and move that aside and we start focusing on what's best for us and what's better for us to how to live and even teach our children, they will start to benefit and it will start this slow movement, this cultural shift that a lot of the problems that we're dealing with, instead of building more hospitals and building more clinics, um, how about we take a different approach and focus on our inner selves? So with that thought, I'm wondering, what was that point in your life that brought you from fitness performance towards that self-discovery? Yeah, so the, the I can pretty much pinpoint a specific period. Um, so I've always, I've always kind of had like an underlying anxiety and also thinking that there's something more than like just what we can see, feel and touch and things like that. 
more than the physical. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I'll go back a little bit. I've always been quite sporty and without sounding too big headed, I've always <laughs> been, um, been able to play sport at a fairly high level mm -hmm. from, from a young age. So, you know, little Ewan was pretty good at sport, probably developed this ego mm. around that. I've always been quite, quite good at sport and good at things. Um, so I kind of pinned my identity on being good at things, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And then, so as I grew up, got to my, got to my teen years and things like that, um, this anxiety was always there and it was very social. So I really struggled to talk to a lot of people, you know, I used to struggle to talk to girls that I fancied, um, <laughs> things like that. Um, people are in, people have more of an authoritative figure. So like teachers, mm -hmm. bosses, things like that. Yeah. And I was used to being, kind of I'm still on this journey of self-discovery which is interesting but mm -hmm. it's good so I was kind of used to being told I was good at stuff and being just being good at things like sport and stuff like that so when I when I wasn't good at something I didn't know how to kind of react to that and you know have that work ethic to work hard to to better myself mm -hmm. if that makes sense oh yeah so I kind of just try to push it to the side, this social anxiety. Um, and that, you know, just doesn't solve anything. It just makes it worse. It builds and builds in the long run. Yes. Um, so I kind of try to hide it with alcohol, mm -hmm. getting, getting pissed, you know, getting pissed means getting really drunk in, in, uh, in England. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few dabbled with some drugs and stuff like that, you know? And I think that was really, I, I went, I overdid it because I was hiding these anxieties mm -hmm. and things like that. But the time, so long story short, the time that I can pinpoint where my journey went from being, you know, the fitness, sporty performance, mm -hmm side of things to looking at looking a bit deeper and going inside more introspective was actually after a really really bad experience at a festival after doing some uh, drugs and alcohol and not sleeping much at all mm -hmm. I had this severe like panic attack oh, and it lasted hours it hasn't been diagnosed but I think it was kind of some sort of drug-induced psychosis where, you know, I could, I was hearing lots of voices and seeing things that weren't there and stuff like that, and that lasted hours. And I think since then, I've kind of had that, I've had a wake-up call, yeah. which unfortunately a lot of people, that's what it takes mm -hmm. for them to, you know, wake up and make change. Yep. Yeah, maybe it's trauma from something I experienced, like a bad experience, or, you know, maybe trauma from seeing one of your family members 
get really ill or right. you know maybe even pass away unexpectedly mm-hmm. and then you know that really hits you and gives you that wake-up call so from there I can't I it's taken a while but I've shifted my mindset from trying to be the best at everything and being really sporty and things like that to you know just trying to be better within myself right. incrementally at things I do and then that's where you know the whole mindfulness mindset and the spiritual side of what I do has come in really so the fitness and the exercise and the sporty side has always been there along with the new nutrition for that but then you know the sleep and the mindset and the mental health and even the nutrition for the mental side of things came into play from that experience definitely mm. it takes and i think that's what happens it, it takes those experiences for us to get that wake-up call i know i can relate to a lot of that and even after i think i it was feeling the difference between you know when you get to the point where where i was where i was used to being and almost on that what i call the autopilot used to being mm-hmm. in this mode of just existence and surviving that I didn't realize the difference until I switched over to better nutrition and the difference in energy that I got out of it and the moods that were so much better. That was that eye-opening change for me. So breaking a cycle of, you know, having to have a glass of wine to go to bed and then turning around and having to have the glass uh, or cup of coffee maybe to to wake up and then maintaining the the mood or, or keep it from fluctuating too much throughout the day because the not having that fuel to start the day off with correctly it didn't help the mindset of where i was at and just trying to get through the day and just trying to function because I had that fitness background. I loved playing sports throughout junior high and high school and getting all the compliments of speed and endurance and of just the physical abilities and then becoming the adult and you don't get those compliments anymore. You're stuck in this um, cycle of meeting deadlines and those compliments may come if you meet the deadlines on time or you produce more or you're the salesperson or, and it's just those compliments come from a different area, which left me to find that um, compliment. If I gave myself like, oh, I had a good day because I didn't have as much junk food or I had a good day because I didn't drink as much wine. I had a good day because I didn't do something that I was attaching to something negative as opposed to saying, oh, I had a good day because I got out in nature. And it was beautiful. And I had was had a chance to change my outlook and take that breath of fresh air out there under the sun. Or I had a good day because I started my day with meditation and really felt through some things as opposed to rushing through something to check off the boxes. Yeah, I love that. And um, back to the, the coffee you said you have in the morning. Love that. <laughs> maybe two maybe three sometimes oh i have to stop it it i actually gradually this was another thing that i gradually weaned myself off of coffee 
and onto mm. green tea just because for me, I noticed uh, when I started my day with coffee, I, for whatever reason, did not want water afterwards, or I didn't recognize that I didn't, I went several hours without any water. But if I started mm -hmm. my day with green tea, then I immediately went with glasses of water right after throughout the rest of the day. And it, it was just, that, that was the difference that it made for me was doing one thing after the other. And then I started loving teas, all lo all sorts of teas and trying different lemon and honey and cream and <laughs> all kinds of things. Oh, it was right. just variety. It was changing things up because that's part of healthy eating is, as, as you gradually learn, and I was gradually learning what was good for my body and why it was good and how it was affecting my gut and my heart, after a while, you do get burned out on healthy foods too. So it was like, how do I change this up so I don't revert back to something I used to eat that wasn't as good for me? So the variety helps a lot. Yeah, definitely. Variety helps, you know, helps keep you on on track, I guess, because, you know, if we, if we do the same thing every time, right. eventually you might kind of get bored of it. Right. Like the same foods or, you know, the same fitness regime or movement regime. Right. And things like that. So variety can really help keep us in kind of in the moment. A, because it's something different. So we have to focus on it a bit more. Maybe we cook a new recipe. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're starting a new exercise in the gym or outside in nature. Because mm -hmm. I love exercising out in nature. It's, yeah. It's so much better than indoors for me. I believe it. Yeah, and if that's, yeah, because I think quite often when things get stagnant or we get bored or they get really difficult, mm -hmm. we can often revert back to old, maybe older, habitual, unhealthier behaviours. Yeah. Whereas if we can vary it up, especially with nutrition, because we need a good variety of of proteins and especially plant fibers to really help feed your gut bacteria because um, you have you have so many different types and strains and they all feed off these different plant fibers and plant types and proteins mm -hmm. and you know having a good diverse population of bacteria in your gut is you know, really good for your gut health. And as we, as we know, as we've discussed that gut health is really linked with that mind and the mood and the, and your mental health. So having a really good diverse diet and population of gut bacteria can really help all those things, gut health, brain health, and the health of your whole body, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that difference of gut health there. What I also noticed was the more healthier I ate and got the rich green leafy vegetables into my daily nutrition, the less I was craving other things. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, uh, and you know, for me uh, and maybe others, when someone says, oh, you need to eat healthy. Okay. So I have to eat more salads. And salads help with fiber, and so you're not constipated and all that kind of thought process. But to me, at first, the salad was, it was really hard to transition into just because it's not that 
burger. It wasn't the French fries. It wasn't the, the pizza and the greasy, salty stuff. But the more I got away from that and the more rich greens with the kale and the chard and watercrest and even romaine, it, I craved that more after a while. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult. It is difficult at first, you know, and you, these foods like the burgers and the chips and the fries and things like that, they are, they're designed for you to love them and crave mm-hmm. them and want them. They're hyper palatable, super processed, but really definitely not optimal for your health no, <laughs> no. of your gut or your mind. No. So I think switching, you know, from a diet high in those processed foods, completely switching it to the other side and going to, you know, the really healthy or healthier salads and things like that can be really difficult. So what I always say is try and just do a little bit better each time mm-hmm. um, so that it's doable and sustainable for you as opposed to making the full switch, right? finding it really, really hard. And then, you know, you do it for a few weeks and often revert back mm-hmm. because, you know, you're building new habits within your eating. So obviously when you're building new habits, you're going against old habits, which are ingrained into your subconscious. Plus the fact that these foods are uh, designed to make us want them and crave them and feel like we're getting a reward for eating them. Right. Like physiologically. But once you can make that transition and make it a habit and gradually do better every few weeks, you know, incorporating in more foods that are going to be more beneficial for your health. And with everyone, that's slightly different Mm -hmm. because we all have a slightly different microbiome makeup, slightly different genes and the the way they're expressed Mm -hmm. can alter the way we process foods slightly. So yeah, I think eventually you'll get there if you keep uh, making these incremental additions of better food, which eventually will replace the food that's less than optimal for your health. And then you will crave the healthier foods because they're more way more nutritious in the long run so once that craving for the higher fat higher high sugar highly processed hyper palatable foods mm-hmm. once once they've stopped hijacking your body basically for those cravings then eventually you will crave those healthier foods because you're getting the nutrients that your body wants and needs mm-hmm. yeah and i think a big thing is to be aware of that and have self-compassion for when you want those highly processed foods because, you know, your body is designed genetically through evolution to want these high energy foods, basically, because the way we are now, our society now has grown so fast and quickly that the way we're kind of hardwired, our genetics aren't, haven't caught up yet because it takes thousands of years for genetics to kind of evolve and change. And it takes a lot of um, new generations and things like that. Whereas I think the industrial age has been around a hundred years. Yeah. 
So, you know, we've, we've sped up so much and I think there's this big mismatch between, you know, definitely our food, Mm -hmm. but so, so, so many other things within our society and environment that don't quite match up with our, our genetics. Right. So from that, I think it's good to have self-compassion for, you know, when we do eat these foods, it's okay. It's what our bodies are designed and want to do for that kind of survive, that primal survival instinct. But yeah, that's why I think making that incremental change and setting up your environment for success really helps as well. Definitely. Yeah. For example, like leaving your willpower at, at the supermarket or the, or the grocery store and, <laughs> just say just trying to avoid those those aisles mm-hmm. in the supermarket which right. are not so which are very tempting um because when when that food's in your house where you spend a lot of your time or in your cupboard or in plain sight it's going to be eaten it is by you or someone else in your household mm-hmm. and that and that's okay if it's there then it's, it's okay it's going to happen but if it is there and you and you still want to make these changes you can hide them in places, you know, put the, put the less than optimal foods at the back of your fridge and maybe the ones that you want to eat, the better ones for you at the front. So, you know, you open the fridge, first thing you see is the one that's going to be better for your health. You've got, yeah, trying to make it difficult for yourself to eat the, or do the, the things that aren't so good for your health and make it super easy for yourself to do the things that, you know, are going to help your, your health. Exactly. Mm. You know, part of that self-compassion though, that was something that was driving me because at the same time, trying to better my own personal health and help my body adapt after having my gallbladder removed. And then also, again, observing mom during her days and what, what she ate and her food, her moods after the food that she had and then I was trying to transition her with me on the healthy food choices that I was learning to make. And I was trying to help her go with me and it, <laughs> that willing participant, that's very important, but understanding the difference between, you know, this process where I started to eat better, the mood started to improve. I stopped craving some of the less desirable or more of the flat out junk foods And then I started doing a little bit more research and understanding that these foods that we're eating are contributing to not only the bacteria imbalance in our guts, but eventually it was going to affect our hearts, which eventually affects our brains. And so that in itself helped me find that bit of self-control, I guess, and because prior to that, the only time I would give something up, honestly, was during the season of Lent. Um, we would give up sodas or beef. For example, one year we gave up beef and that was probably the best year. I, I no longer craved having beef like I used to. And I mm-hmm. started to lose weight and realizing and then trying to make that connection. I was like, why was that such a why did that make such a difference? But it was something that it, I was forcing myself and yes, fighting those cravings was hard, but letting the process take 
place and letting it work and letting it become go from a process to a habit and then from that habit to the new lifestyle and connecting yeah. all of these dots like wow what i put in my body is really important because it's eventually going to affect the gut the heart the brain and the rest of my organs and then once everything starts to react in a bad way the inflammation all this other stuff then i'm gonna start having physical body pains and it just it was amazing to see and understand i'm able to make changes i'm able to change this process that i'm going through and instead of it just being oh i'm just trying to lose a little bit of weight because i want to get into a lower uh, dress size or something silly that it was like, oh, not only am I in that lower dress size, but I feel better and I'm not so moody and cranky. And if I'm able to help mom with this, then, wow, she's not as moody and cranky either. And, huh, there's something to this. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, definitely. And I think, like, from from what you said there, you you kind of pinned the why behind, you know, the, the food change and the lifestyle change Yeah. to a reason kind of you know more meaningful and mm -hmm. a bit bigger than you know just trying to trying to lose a few pounds to fit in a dress right. which is perfectly fine perfectly okay goal mm -hmm. generally the motivator there is less less internal and more external so the kind of the way you the way you look for other people mm -hmm. But you know your your kind of values and your motivator, by the sounds of it, was you know the health of your body and and your and your mother's body, mm -hmm. um, which you know is a really really deeper why, and it's there's a lot more meaning to that, which when when times get tough, that can help you push on. Does yes. that make sense? Absolutely. And then create those habits and that lifestyle change. Yeah, because when times did get tough, I was able to balance my energy through all of it. I was able to maintain a healthier mood throughout all of it instead of having that emotional roller coaster. But that in, in itself made me realize, hmm, when I would cap those cravings afterwards, it's like, well, what's going on? inside like what am I feeling why am I craving this you know I know it's not good for me so why am I craving this and I would go through this whole thought process of what's going on in my life what's happening what's ha what's causing this and even with mom when some random craving would come up she'd say you know what I feel like eating today and she would describe something that in my mind I'm going oh no that's not good because I read a book years ago uh, that was actually called The Journey Home. And it was uh, a very nice blend of the Eastern and Christian world. And once you start to change these habits and, and find things that you're more aware of in your day-to-day -day life, once you start to move forward, you really can't move backwards. You shouldn't go backwards. And so every time I tried to go backwards and eat those foods because that's what mom was craving and then trying to have a meal with her and have quality time and just, I would have the negative effects again. And so I was back into the situation where 
I had to make a meal for myself. That was what I needed to eat that helped my body. And then I would make a meal for her that what she wanted to make her happy. And the more I did this, the more I kept, it was this struggle like, well, if this is healthy for me, why would I give her something that's not exactly healthy for her? And I just started making food, salads, even some little wraps to try to avoid sandwiches, but things that would be full of healthy energy inducing and seeing the difference in her making it flavorful because that's the other thing. I think a lot of people assume healthy food doesn't taste as good as the processed food. Like you said, it's designed a certain way in healthy food. I mean, you really have to do this over a period of time to adjust your palate because eating a bag of potato chips versus eating raw carrot, the obvious differences are going to be there. Yeah, yeah, you like you've got the hyper palatable, high sugar, salt, and and fat content of, you know, potato chips and burgers and things like that, which you know your body loves, and the food industry knows that. <laughs> yeah. So so they make those. Um, but yeah, I think definitely trying to bring flavor into healthier foods is one of the best ways to help people or help you start start eating those healthier foods without feeling you know deprived mm-hmm. of of you know nice foods and things like that so if you look at say like a curry or some or sri lankan food mm-hmm. thai food things like that how how nice are those oh they're <laughs> very good yeah so that's- good that's what my palate has has um, evolved towards. Um, I prefer those foods now. Yeah, yeah, I love them, and that's because you know they utilize these combinations of herbs and spices and things like that. Put, putting them on these vegetables, these healthier foods, mm-hmm. into a sauce, and you know it just makes the food so nice, and you're getting more nutrition from it. So I think yeah, utilizing herbs and spices are are really really key to making healthier food taste better definitely and then on top of this i even took it another step further we're figuring out these healthy foods and what made me feel good and then even taking it to the point where where i was eating them so i started trying to take my meals outside and eat them Uh in the backyard back porch you know where Hopefully, or we don't heat up too fast after our crazy snowstorm, but (laughs) being outside and enjoying that nature, it just took me one step closer to that mental health. Like now I'm going to combine the food with the outdoor nature and how that works. Yeah. And that's like a, it's like a one, two, three, four five hit combo yes, yes. <laughs> you know, you're, you're eating you're eating quality food you're being mindful of where you're eating it right which is going to help digestion because generally when you're mindful you eat a bit slower you let those enzymes and stomach acid and things like that get to work so you digest your food better mm-hmm. which then gets absorbed into your bloodstream better so you get more nutrients to your body being out in nature, super good for your mental health, mm-hmm. better air quality, 
if it's sunny, even if it's cloudy, you're getting the the rays from the sunlight, you know, boosting your vitamin D levels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just it, keeps adding just, to it. Right. Mm. And that's another thing. And keep adding on top of that and taking it yet again another step further is after either eating outside or just being outside, those deep breaths, taking those deep breaths out in nature is so great. I just, when I try and explain that to people, that the difference, the level of energy and the calmness that comes versus sitting inside watching TV and just breathing while you're you know, watching TV, the difference that you get from that, it's, it's hard to understand unless you're out there doing it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that comes, yeah, it just comes from doing it, doesn't it? And knowing and feeling the difference, you know, breathing in that fresh, better air quality than you do indoors and that sense of calm when you breathe in deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially through the nose, nasal breathing. It's something I do a lot now. Quite a few times throughout the day, I just kind of, when I may be feeling a little bit overwhelmed or Mm -hmm. things are getting on top of me, I just use that breath to ground myself and kind of help my nervous system calm. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, that, that breath and that diaphragm, when you do that deep breathing in through the nose, really helps activate that rest and digest that parasympathetic nervous system which then gives you that feeling and sense of calm Mm -hmm. Mm, which is yeah something I I talk about quite a bit on social media as well and because it's just it's such a simple thing to do in practice but Mm -hmm. you know when you're in the when you're in the moment and everything's getting on top of you Mm -hmm. it's hard to be aware of how that simple taking taking those few seconds even just like five breaths taking those few seconds to to really just pause right be mindful of that breath that deep diaphragmatic breathing can have yeah such a profound effect on on the moment and how you're feeling it has mm. a, an effect for me that's not only on the moment and the mood and just feeling like I'm re-energizing my body. But those deep breaths have even helped with my lower back pain. And these are things that I didn't realize the benefit of them. It was just, you know, one thing after another just kept leading me, taking things one more step. And, and it was just like this guided path, this guided process and feeling the benefits from everything. And once I felt good with it, then it was like, oh, this is great. I want more. I want more. And it was a different type of craving altogether. It's like I craved being out in nature. I was, and that sounds weird to say, but I craved the fresh air to be out there. I craved uh, sitting out underneath my meditation tree with my uh, bare feet in the grass because I, I wanted that energy from the earth. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Getting grounded. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I sometimes walk around barefoot outside and get a few strange looks, that's for sure. <laughs> but I know I know the value of it and I know the benefit of it. So right. I kind of see past the strange looks. Yeah. And yeah, and just that that being outdoors and connecting yourself to the earth 
yeah, there's so many benefits to it mentally, physically. Right. You know, it can help help reduce the inflammation that that we may have, speed up wound healing, help us sleep better, which, you know, when we sleep better, everything gets better. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Sleep is such an important pillar of health and the breath can really help that too. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because I lost sight of that when our youngest son was having some gut issues and some acid reflux issues. It was a cycle of if he slept good, he ate good. If he ate good, he slept good. <laughs> it was just AM, mm. yeah. PM. It was making sure he would sleep good and eat good. And it was a, a happy balance for him. Yeah, and then I guess vice versa. When you sleep bad, you tend to crave those not so healthy foods. Exactly. Yeah, so that's when you know you've really got to double down on all the things you spoke about, like the environment and you know pinning that that why on something a bit higher. But yeah, sleep sleep affects everything. It's so important. Yeah, especially with with gut issues because mm. when you when you sleep when you don't sleep as well, that can create some something or a kind of that gut lining can be more permeable to things that can be quite inflammatory and not and not healthy for us so it really helps to seal that gut lining a bit better among hundreds of other things but yeah that's something that came to mind based on the the gut gut connection with the sleep right mm. so yeah it's it's like how one thing can create that ripple effect. Right. That downstream effect effect on so many other things throughout the body. Like we've talked about a lot. Yeah. Just how every, everything is influenced by everything. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it, sense. It does, and that's how, what it comes down to is that we get so stuck into our days that we don't realize the small moments and the small habits that could make a big difference. And that one thing affects many things and, the reaction to that other thing may re affect something else on totally on the other end. It, it, it's this back and forth thing, which is why I would come upon one thing that worked and then I added on to that and then I added on to that and then I added on to that. And I just, it just kept growing and I just kept feeling better and having more self-awareness and having more self-control. And I know I can only affect so much of mom's life but being an example for her being example for my sons it's something that makes a difference to me I'm it's like why didn't I, I learn this sooner why didn't I do this so many years ago and I was like well I had to break some mental programming to start going in a different direction in a better direction before it was possible yeah and I think that, yeah like you said it starts all starts with that self-awareness yeah of of when things are affecting you in a good way or when things are affecting you in a bad way and maybe why that is and you know it starts with that self-awareness of realizing the thing that works like you said you know that that one thing that worked for you you built on that and built on that and built on that and now you have all these really good habits and behaviors that that you do that are part of your lifestyle and yeah and you kind of feel better for it in the long term 
And then on top of that, you're setting, setting that example for your kids. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and even if sometimes it may not feel like it, because I know you said it was sometimes difficult to get your mother to eat yeah. foods that are a bit healthier. Yeah, that you're still doing that in her presence. So that, that will still be, you know, picked up on. Yeah, with unfortunately with dementia, one of the things that happens is they tend to crave sweet foods more. Um, mm. If it's not, you know, drinking the coffee all day long because that's one of the things that they're attached to. The bitter side of that, then it's the sweets, mm-hmm. the end of the other end of it. And I, I have my suspicions that it's just it's the body's way of trying to get more glucose, sugar to get some energy because if they're so sedentary that there's not energy is not being generated through the exercise, then it's that mindless eating and snacking. And that's dangerous for me because it's like, I can't sit still. I can't sit with her still very long because before I know it, then I'm in that mode of I'm munchy. I'm hungry. I want these junk food snacks. I want the potato chips. I want the, and it's nope. Can't go backwards. I'm going forwards, not backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's that self-awareness of when, when you feel those cravings. Right. To then realize the why and then, you know then that, that phrase comes back to you that can't go backwards, which, you know, that's kind of your trigger now to, mm-hmm. to kind of keep moving forwards, which is awesome. Like, it's really cool having something like that, that when, when those feelings come up, you've kind of put something in place that helps you. Right. And gives you that willpower, if that makes sense. I think part of it is willpower and part of it is just as I become more aware of who I am and how I am, I have this nasty little perfectionist in me that learning what was better for me and then trying to find the perfect scenario, it was a different kind of willpower. It was more of a a rigid self-discipline. And then it was also part of a fear. If I don't change my habits now, then I could face the same demise that mom has been facing with living with mixed dementia. And so I just felt like it was, it's extremely important to find this level of self-awareness and mindfulness and going through this change, absolute change of lifestyle, because I want a different story to tell later down the road. I don't want her story to become my story. So, yeah, and that's that's yeah, that's like a big, big motivation, isn't it? To it is. It's like like we said earlier, finding that that why, that kind of deeper why of creating that change, um, and that that starts with that self awareness and the awareness of of that why. You know, you you don't want to have or get dementia right. in your later years. And you've become aware of that, I guess. And that's your, that's kind of a big why for you. Yeah. Cause it's not all genetic related. It just, it really isn't. So when you're um, working with your clients, what do you find is one of their, I guess, 
pitfalls that trying to transition. Basically, you have someone that's coming to you and they want their physical fitness. How do you connect the physical fitness to their mental fitness? Yeah, so I really, I really focus on the breath and the movements. So I, I tend to not with the physical side, obviously now and again is really good. I tend to not kind of, you know, if someone comes to me for a personal training session or a session like that, mm-hmm. I really focus on movement quality over kind of quality and intensity mm-hmm. and then coming with that, the breath and moving with the breath. So you kind of bring that mindful movement into it, I suppose. Yeah. So that's how I kind of connect kind of the physical side with the, with the mind and the mental health side of things. And I'm sure, you know, like you said, everybody's different. And so it takes their own willpower or their own area that drives them to maintain it and learn from it and grow from it. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it's, it's a transition. So, so not, not doing everything at once because yeah. that, that can get overwhelming. Oh yeah. And just, yeah, just gradually incrementally adding in things that, that they want to do that you want to do mm-hmm. or, and what a little bit of what, a little bit of what you want and a little bit of what you need, I always say. Right. So, you know, so it doesn't feel like too much of a struggle because making these healthier lifestyle changes is is difficult because you're going against a lot of subconscious habits and you know with the eating especially you're going against your biology craving those foods mm-hmm. makes it difficult going against the body and trying to convince the body what it needs basically detoxifying it and starting from a fresh fresh base yeah that's it and i think change is difficult a lot of people don't like change. Yeah. <laughs> the body, the body likes <laughs> likes to be settled. It's called homeostasis, so it tries to bring itself back to where it is, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, changing that and trying to make the body adapt to, to new new things is it's going to have some some pushback at first. A good example is you know a lot of this is definitely me assuming and being stereotypical but (laughs) but a lot of older people are kind of stuck in their ways yeah um you know they they know what they like they know what they don't like which is a really good virtue to have but at the same time sometimes that means they're very resistant to change right um so i sometimes use that analogy within the body when you're trying to make new healthier changes is that it's, there's going to be that resistance but like we said earlier when you make it easy for yourself and make it incremental that's way more sustainable right absolutely um, in the long run so you and how do people find you if they are stuck in their routines and they need help to begin their incremental change and go with more of a fitness program yeah, so I mainly use Instagram at the moment. So you can find me, the handle there is at vitalize 
with a Z, which I think is the American spelling anyway, mm-hmm. or the US spelling, because it looked better. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think in here in Britain, we, we'd use as S. But anyway, at Vitalize Health and Fitness, um, that's my Instagram. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got an email, which is Ewan, spelt I-W-A-N, at vitalizehealthandfitness.co.uk or on Facebook. And that's kind of the main platforms I use at the moment. Nice. Mm. That works. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are looking for a change, you're, you're stuck in a routine or you're trying to get out of um, this cycle that I know I was in before um, of the craving and the lack of exercise and energy and the mood swings and all of that, then I highly suggest reaching out to you and and trying to get a new beginning, a new change. I mean, seasons are changing and it's that wonderful time to start doing that little bit at a time to build on it and go in a healthier, different direction. On that, thank you so much for sharing your time with me today, Ewan. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Jessica. It's been it's been a pleasure. I love talking about these things and um, helping people, and I hope it's I hope it's reached some people who need need to hear these things, and it helps them. Right. Yes, because it's definitely going to help us go in a different direction. So. Thank you for joining in and listening with us today. You can find more about this topic on the blog at jessicalazellcannon.com. And I hope this gave you more food for thought. And until next time, be proactive. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode. To learn more about proactive caregiving and to hear other episodes of this podcast, please visit www.jessicalazellcannon.com. This podcast is produced by Canon Light Media, LLC, www.canonlightmedia.com. Music provided by Chris Paradise. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.